0: Welcome to the Fire Time Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Fire Time Podcast. Well, hey, if you are listening to this in real time, then you know that we are in the fifth part. Of our series about building a framework of sales management. Essentially, we're learning how to go from playing defense to playing offense with our sales process. And this is more important than ever. There are many companies in our industry across North America that have had amazing sales for the last few years. But in recent months, things have started to tighten up. And I've seen this again and again and again. In fact, I was actually talking with Grant Falco today on the phone about it. And we were talking about the necessity of those extra little steps to take that extra 5% on each sale with the customer that extra mile when it comes to following up using a sales dashboard oftentimes we say well those things are nice to have it'd be nice if my team used a sales dashboard but really we're probably fine if we just try a little bit harder doing what we're doing it'd be nice if we followed up with our customers but the reality is that my team is pretty good and, and I know they're really busy doing what they're already doing What we need right now as the economy starts to cool a little bit is we need that extra push. And that's what it means to play offense with sales instead of just defense. So to rewind what we've covered so far in part one of our series, we covered sales goals and compensation plans. Everything has to start with you setting the goals of where do we want to go this year? Which of our salespeople will bring in what revenue? And then how are we going to pay them for it? In part two, we talked about utilizing a documented sales process and exactly how to do that. In part three, we discussed operating from a sales dashboard, and this is something that I believe is ground zero if you are going to take sales seriously and start to operate in a new way that brings in serious results. Now, in part four, last week, we talked about coaching the right behaviors, that there are key behaviors. In particular, we talked about four that you need to set as a standard and then consistently coach to. And those four behaviors were, number one, sitting down with every single customer to understand their problem. And yes, that's physically sitting down number two is making it the norm to always write up estimates on the spot behavior number three is regular follow-up with your customers and then behavior number four is a weekly progress report if you can coach to those behaviors you're going to be in really good shape Well, in today's episode, we'll talk about operating off of key measurements. And similar to last week, I've got four in particular that I want to talk about. And these are things that I really believe in. And they're not always watched or practiced by companies. So I'm really excited to dive deep on this and just give you some insight into how I approach sales and where I've seen success in my own life and with my clients. Now, Next week, we're going to talk about running a regular sales meeting. And then finally, in our last part of the series, we'll talk about sales practice and making a commitment to it. So I'm excited for you to hear the rest of these episodes. For today, we're going to talk about these four key measurements. So like I said last week, you may want a pen and paper for this episode because we're going to go pretty deep on these different measurements. Okay, so as we get started today, I first want to talk about some of the mistakes that I see companies make when it comes to the sales metrics that they're taking a look at. So I've mentioned this before, but one of the concepts that I found really, really helpful in sales metrics is to understand the difference between a lead measure and a lag measure, and I learned this concept from a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution by Chris McChesney a while ago. And it's actually a book that we're reading right now for the Wi-Fi or cohort that I lead. And it's a phenomenal book about executing ideas and change within your business. And the way that they define this is that a lag measure is something that is likely important, but it's a measurement that lags behind. And what I mean by that is that by the time you get the measurement there's nothing that can be done to change the behavior whereas a lead measurement is something that can be done in the moment and tweaked and modified and pushed into that will directly move the needle on the lag measure so as an example a great lag measure would be if you had a target margin for a given month so like let's just say in the month of may you want your installed margin to be 52 percent well that's a great thing to shoot for but the problem is by the time you get that number you're halfway through june so there's nothing that can change in the moment to affect that number it lags behind and there are many 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 lag measurements that we see in our businesses and lag measurements are not a bad thing at all they're great right you know invoiced sales per month is a lag measure Even invoice sales per week is a lag measure because by the time the week's over and you look at your invoice sales, there's nothing you can do right then to change the behavior. So traditionally, lag measures are what most people use to gauge the performance of their sales team. But the problem is lag measures do not change behavior. Lead measures, on the other hand, do. So a lead measure is something that is predictable to move the needle on the lag measure, and it's something that your team has at least some degree of influence over. Now, an example of this would be, let's say that I wanted to lose 40 pounds. Well, that's a lag measure. If I said, I wanna lose 40 pounds by the end of the year, that's a lag measure, because by the time I get to the end of the year and see if I lost 40 pounds, the year's over. Now, lead measures would be if I said, I'm going to eat 2000 calories a day and I'm going to try to go running five days a week. Those are lead measures because those are behaviors that I can work on day by day by day by day that I'm trusting will move the needle on the lag measure, which is ultimately losing that weight. So both measures are very, very important. What's tricky is that for most companies, they only operate off of lag measures, and that would be the equivalent of driving your car by looking out the rearview mirror. A profit and loss statement is a lag measure. It is not a leading indicator. So what you want to do is you want to think about, based on the lag measure of you know, my sales per year or my sales per month or my margin, whatever, whatever your lag measure is, what are one or two lead measures that would move the needle on the lag? So, I know I'm using lead and lag quite a bit, but I've, I found it very, very helpful. If the terms are easier for you, you can think about behavior and outcome, right? Wanting to have a given outcome is great, but if you only focus on the outcome, there's not gonna be a lot you can do to motivate yourself in the moment. What you need to do is look at the outcome, determine the behaviors that will lead to the outcome, and focus on the behaviors. What you're doing is you're saying, if I've picked the right behaviors, The outcome will take care of itself as I push into these. So when it comes to sales, there are a few metrics that I love to take a look at. Now, an example of a lag measure with sales is going to be our invoice sales per month. And that's a great lag measure. Because again, going back to the first episode of this series, you should have by this time lined out your budget for the year. What do you want your sales to be every month for the year? what we want to ask is what are the things that lead to invoice sales for this month? And the first measure that I like to go off of that is predictive for invoice sales this month is backlog. Now we've talked a little bit about backlog in the past, but my definition of backlog is it's the total dollar amount of jobs that a customer has placed a deposit on but have not yet been invoiced out or fulfilled. That's what the backlog is. So a customer comes into the store, they place a 50% deposit for a wood stove, say it's a $10,000 job, well, you now have $10,000 in your backlog that at some point in time, that will get installed and you will gain that invoiced revenue. So I believe that backlog is a direct contributor to invoiced sales for the month. Now, when it comes to salespeople that I've had underneath me and that I now coach, I operate off of backlog with them rather than invoiced sales because they have more influence over their backlog. If I was to go and say, hey, I need you to invoice out 30,000 more this month, Well, there's a lot of things that are totally outside of their control and they don't know how long the product is going to take to get in. It could be that you're five weeks out in installation. So it doesn't really help or motivate to say, add 30,000 to your invoice sales this month. However, if I was to say, I need you to add 30000 to your backlog. The backlog is something that they have more control over, and the backlog is predictive of what will be invoiced out this month. So one of the things that I really believe in doing is looking very, very hard at how long your sales cycle is from the time someone places a deposit to the time that the product is installed and invoiced. In general, I have found that with many companies, it's about a four-week cycle. Now, your company may be as much as eight weeks, but generally it's a four-week cycle from the time that someone places a deposit, the product gets ordered, and it's being installed, about four weeks. Now, based on that, what that means is that if my invoiced sales goal for June is, let's just say $250,000 as a company, if that's our invoiced sales goal for June, and we have about a four-week sales cycle, I'm going to set a backlog goal for May of getting my backlog above $250,000 because that means based on a four week sales cycle, there will be enough work in the backlog to fill my schedule up to hit our invoice number for June. You see how that works? I really, really believe in backlog as a key indicator that you need to keep your eye on. And it's the primary metric that I look at as to the health of a sales team is where's the backlog? What is being added to it? So when it comes to the backlog, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but your team members should understand exactly where their backlog is and where everybody else's is. It should be a friendly competition to see who can get the highest backlog in a given month and maybe you even offer some kind of a spiff for it or an extra day off or you know, a, a dinner out, something like that. The backlog is a key driving indicator. Now, one thing I want to clarify is that while backlog is a predictive indicator of invoiced revenue, telling your team to raise their backlog by itself while it is possible that doesn't necessarily influence their behavior. So for my sales team, I like to show the relationship between the backlog and the invoice sales that when backlog is high, invoice sales get to be high as well. And then the backlog naturally goes down. So the next step is to try to fill the backlog up again. And it's a wave that you ride throughout the course of the year. So I want to show the team that relationship between backlog and invoice sales. And my message to them is, Don't you worry about invoice sales. Let me take that. I'll work with our installation manager. I'll work with our purchaser. You just fill that backlog up. That's what we're focusing the sales team on. Now, the second measurement that we need to take a look at after backlog is the number of estimates per week that our team is writing up. I love this metric. Estimates per week. When someone asks me how their sales team can improve one of my first questions is how many estimates per week are they writing up? And I really have a philosophy that your team should be writing up a lot of estimates. I believe that more estimates equals more sales. I've heard some people talk against that saying, well, you know, I call an estimate free consulting and I would never do that for someone that's not ready to buy. And I, I don't, I don't believe in that. I, I think that you got to cast a wide net. And again, People are coming into your store to see how much things cost. So I think you owe it to them to write up an estimate for that. So to me, estimates per week is a key indicator. And what I found is that until you start measuring it, you don't realize how productive your team is. And all of a sudden you start to look at it and you realize, oh, this team member only wrote up three estimates this week. Man, that's not very many. This, This team member wrote up 16. What's the difference there? So I believe that estimates per week is a lead indicator to improve both the backlog and the invoice sales because the more estimates that get written up per week means the more jobs that turn into in-home visits and it also means the more estimates that I get to follow up on and it starts to set the table for the rest of the sales process but that can't happen unless we start out with an estimate for a customer. So I believe that estimates per week is something that you should measure very, very closely. Now, a quick word about this. When it comes to lead indicators versus lag indicators, lead indicators are hard to measure. They, they, they really, really are. I mean, most point of sale systems will not give you a breakdown of how many estimates each team member wrote up last week. You got to get creative to track this stuff, but this is what will move the needle. Lag measures are simple to measure, right? Your accountant can put together a profit and loss statement three weeks after the books close for the month, right? That's easy. It's easy to look at your invoiced sales for the month. It's easy to look at your gross margin. It's hard to measure your estimates per week, and we're going to talk about another leading indicator in a second that I really believe in. But if you want to move from playing defense to offense and put together behaviors that inspire your team, tracking your estimates per week is something that needs to be done. What I've found is that team members often sandbag Customers when their when their estimates per week aren't measured, and what I mean by that is that when a customer comes in because estimates can be a, a hassle to write up, team members start to do the 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 mental game with customers, and they're deciding in their head, is this customer really serious enough to get an estimate? I don't know. I, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna send them out of here with a little bit of homework, and, and if they do the homework and come back to me, then I'll write them up that estimate. Now the reason I know this is that I've done it a million times. I know what it's like to be overwhelmed and to feel like, oh, I'm not sure about this person. Oh, so you know what? Eh, I'm, I'm gonna get my business card. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go tell them to take some measurements for me and to call me. And then when when they when they call me with those measurements, then I'll put it together. But here's the problem: I'm a rotten judge of what's going on inside my customer's mind because I'm not inside their mind. The fact is that the people walking into your store or inviting you out to their house are dead serious. They have a problem that they want solved and they would not have messed with you if they didn't want to know what the price of their project was. So tracking estimates per week is a way to tell your team this behavior is important. It's not going away and we're going to track this so that we can get better and better at serving our customers and selling more so that we can pay everybody more. Like it's it's really a win for everybody, for our customers and for our team when we start focusing on it. But again, when all we focus on is, well, we just got to get sales up. I mean, okay, I I don't know what the team's going to do, put more pressure on customers. Like, that's not what we do. Let's focus on writing up more estimates because we can do that in a gracious way. And we're trusting that that will move the needle ultimately on our invoice sales. Okay, lead measure number two is number of follow-ups per week. That's lead measure number two. Again, we're trying to think about what indicators do we have that will grow the backlog, which will then grow our invoice sales for the month. And I believe that the two major leading indicators are estimates per week and follow-ups per week. I, I really believe that. Now, when it comes to follow-ups per week, we talked about this a little bit in in last week's episode. I believe that the standard that is set should be 15 follow-ups per week. Per team member. So if you've got four salespeople, that means a total of 60 follow-ups per week. And, and you just think about the compounding interest on that over time. If you got four salespeople, you know, week one, you do 60. Week two, you're up to 120. And then you're up to 180, you're talking 240 follow-up calls per month. That will seriously move the needle over time. But if you don't track follow-ups, your team doesn't do it. I mean, just straight up. I've, I've had people tell me, well, the good salespeople just know they should follow up. Well, honestly, the good salespeople that know they should follow up, they don't work for your company. They work for a Fortune 500 company making a ton of money because that behavior is really, really valuable. And in our industry, most of the salespeople aren't professionally trained, you know? And, 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 even for me, like this is something I, I stumbled into after years and years and years of, of stubbing my toe and, and making mistakes and, and failing. And, and I'm guessing that your salespeople don't call back their customers a minimum of seven times before giving up on the opportunity. And it's not that they're bad. It's just that the standard hasn't been set and it's not measured. You know, with, with, with all of this, when we talk about operating off of key measurements and metrics, There's the old saying, what gets measured improves. And I think that we can just look at that in our lives, you know, on 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 anything. If I want to lose weight and that idea just simply stays at, I just hope I lose weight someday. It'd be it'd be really good for me to lose weight. I mean nothing's gonna happen. But if every morning I step on the scale and I start looking at the weight increasing and increasing and increasing, all of a sudden, I start paying more attention to it. Now, that in and of itself may not change my behavior, but it's a piece of the equation to move towards a healthy life. It starts with measuring. And like many things, until we start measuring, all we're doing is guessing. So when when I ask questions sometimes of companies and say, you know, did your team follow up with customers? Oftentimes, the answer is, oh, yeah, we we have a follow-up system. And I ask, okay, cool. Like, How many times do you follow up with a customer before you give up on the opportunity? I've never been given a clear answer because there's no answer. And as I've asked people to explain their follow-up process to me, most often it's, well... We don't really have one, but but when we want to follow up with a customer, you know, we we go to uh, this part of our software program to look the customer up, or we have a physical folder here in this part of the showroom, and we, we pull their invoice out, and I'll just ask, oh, okay, cool, like, how often do you do that? Well, it's been really busy lately, so, you know, I mean, pretty often, Just, I mean, it just depends on how busy we are. Okay, cool, so like, how many times in the last week have you done that? Oh, I, I haven't done it in the last week. We've just been way too busy. Okay. Um. How about the week before? How many times did you do it the week before? You see where I'm going with this. But it's not that people are bad or people are lazy. It's that there's no standard set and it's not being measured. And therefore, in people's minds, it means it's not important. So what we want to do is we want to set the standard of 15 follow-ups a week, Like we talked about in last week, we want to coach those behaviors, but now we have to look at that and we have to measure it. So if I'm looking at moving the needle on my backlog, which will then increase my invoice sales each month, I want to have the leading indicators of tracking my estimates per week and my total follow-ups. And you know what's amazing? It's amazing as my estimates per week go up and as my weekly number of follow-up calls goes up, my backlog goes up. It is a one-to-one correlation. So these are things that we want to think about. And again, how do you measure follow-ups? It's tough. It really is. Now, you know, there, there are some sales dashboards and CRM systems that will help you with this. But at the end of the day, it's a lot easier to measure margin for the month of June two weeks later than it is to measure how many follow-up calls your team did last week. But you need to be ruthless in this. You've got to find a way to measure it. And my recommendation is you include the team in this. You know, one one of the key measurements that I like to look at, it didn't make the cut for this episode, but we've talked about it before at length, is the traffic count. I really, really believe in measuring your store traffic and not just how many people came in, but what category of product they looked at. Did they receive an estimate? Did an in-home visit get booked? We can talk about all that at a later time. But when it comes to traffic count, I literally just recommend that you keep a spreadsheet print it off at the front of your store and your team members check the boxes. And I think it's the same thing here. If you want to with tracking your estimates per week and your follow-ups per week. Now, if you have a sales dashboard that does this for you, that's perfect. But if you don't, I would have your team track it by hand. Now, The balance to strike is that your team has to know this is to help them. We are trying to help them. You know, we don't want there to be layoffs as things slow down. We want to give raises. We want our team members to make more and have a better life. That's why we're doing this. If your team members push back on this, it it might be an indicator that they may not be the right person for your team. What I found with this is often some common pushback is, well, team members aren't going to mark when they, when they don't do this or, you know, they're going to they're cheat and, and put the wrong numbers in. Well, my thought with that is that if you're worried about the integrity of the people on your sales floor, you probably have the wrong people. Now, it might be tempting to do this if their compensation was tied to how many times they mark that they followed up with a customer, but it's not. This is a measurement to help them. Again, it's just like being in the gym, shooting jump shots and keeping track of how many misses and how many makes you had. As long as it's framed in a way that we're doing this to help you, people will participate in it. So all that to say are two lead measures that we're looking at to drive our backlog and drive our invoice sales, our estimates per week and follow ups. Okay. Now, As we round this episode out today, what I want to end talking about is the sales scoreboard. So when I talk about operating off of key measurements, so far we've talked about the backlog, we've talked about estimates per week, we've talked about follow-ups. The fourth part of this is our weekly sales scoreboard. And this is going to be difficult for you to put together. I have yet to see a stock point of sale system or ERP system put this together. And the reason why is that those things are generally not made to track lead measures. They're made to track lag measures. So oftentimes for me, I use Google sheets. I literally just helped two companies with this in the last three weeks. We spent a lot of time talking through these measurements and talking through fine tuning them for their particular sales team. And then we built a dashboard and we made a really easy interface where once a week, The team members can turn in their weekly report to management. Management can input the data. They can check their ERP system or their point of sale system for a couple of the basics. And then management can populate the areas of the report. And they've got their sales scoreboard for the week. Now, this is really, really important. If your company is not operating off of a weekly sales scoreboard, I guarantee that your team is not performing at their fullest. And the reason why is that people take things more seriously when you're keeping score. They really do. You know, when when your team has a common scoreboard to rally around, that as they see it improve, the company does better, and they make more money, they will want to see the scoreboard. And I've found that when you combine this with a rhythm of, of regular meetings something starts to happen over time in a sales team. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, but if you let this thing bake for a few months while you meet weekly, you talk about the scoreboard, you make a commitment to help each other and to get better, your performance really starts to improve. So one of the things that I would recommend doing is putting together a scoreboard that has a combination of the metrics we've talked about so far. Number of follow-ups, number of estimates per week, and has your backlog, and then your month-to-date invoice sales, and you can set this up in, in in four simple quadrants, but I would really advise at the bottom of this report, you have a graph or a chart showing the number of follow-ups over the last week, or you could even do month-to-date for each of your team members, and your team members all need to be separated out so everybody can see How many people did this person follow up with? How many people did this person follow up with? Same thing for the number of estimates per week. That's going to be in a different quadrant, but you need to have a a graph or a chart that is showing how many estimates per week the team has written up and, and who are the main contributors for that. Now, what that will lead to is your backlog. So, up as you get towards the top of this report, you're going to have your backlog and then you're going to have your lag indicator, which are your invoiced sales for the month. So, if you think about this, this scoreboard starts to make a cycle that starts with the number of estimates that are written up, moves to the number of follow ups. And then moves to the backlog and then finally moves to the invoiced sales. And you can see how one feeds to the next, feeds to the next, feeds to the next. I would recommend putting your scoreboard together this way. One of the problems with scoreboards in most companies is that they're overly complicated. So again, many owners and managers have Excel sheets or dashboards and things that have a lot and and frankly, probably too much for your sales team. Now, for you as the business owner, there's a lot of things you want to look at. So that's totally fine. But your sales team needs a scoreboard that they can look at in honestly 15 seconds and immediately understand what's going on and who the contributors are. So my recommendation for most scoreboards is to remove things, kind of like you know the showroom floor. I mean, start removing units before you start adding more units. Because often the problem is not that a company doesn't have enough units on the floor, it's that they've got way too many. It's the same thing with your metrics is that when you have everything on your scoreboard, it all becomes white noise. You got to be ruthless in deciding what are the key measurements and behaviors that we are going to go off of. And again, in my mind, it is that flywheel of what drives sales. Estimates leading to follow-ups, leading to backlog, leading to invoice sales. And you want to have this on your report and it's got to be updated every single week. Now, in next week's episode, we'll talk about running a regular sales meeting where this scoreboard is going to come out and the team is going to talk about their performance on it. But for now, what I want to end today with is really reinforcing the fact that most companies, when it comes to their sales process, are driving by looking out their rearview mirror. When we start looking at, okay, why are sales off? Well, How many follow-up calls have we made over the last month? Oh, man, our follow-ups are down like 70%. Oh, you know what? Well, hey, this salesperson was on vacation. This one got sick. I guess that makes sense why they're down. And actually, you know what? Our estimates are way down too. I guess that makes sense why our backlog and our invoice sales have been suffering. But if we want to change this behavior, we can't just say, hey, go out and sell more. Because again, that will often just result in more high-pressure situations, the team doesn't know what to do, they feel nervous, and, and and they do nothing. What we want to do is focus on our lead indicators. Okay, hey guys, this week, let's make the push to have everybody write up two more estimates this week if you get those customers even when it's easy to think oh i'm not sure if they're serious why don't you just take the step of saying hey before you leave today let me write you up an estimate so that way you understand exactly what this is going to cost why don't you just work on that this week if you can get two more of those i think that's going to help follow-up calls hey you know what everybody let's each commit let's each do five extra follow-up calls this week in fact we'll throw a sales spiff down for whoever gets the most deposits from their follow-up calls this is something that we really need right now those are behaviors in the moment day by day by day you can execute on that will be predictive to move the needle on the lag so If you want to move from playing defense to playing offense with your sales teams, we need to operate off of key measurements, and those key measurements are our backlog, our estimates per week, our number of follow-ups, and our weekly sales scoreboard. If you can do those things, you're going to be in really good shape. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I absolutely love talking about this stuff. And it's funny, like I said a little bit earlier, I mean, literally in the last three weeks, I've visited two different businesses and we have gone through exactly what we've talked about in this episode. Shifting to focus on backlog for the sales team as opposed to invoice sales only. And then talking about the lead indicators of number of follow-ups per week and number of new estimates per week. When we start focusing on the right things, it's amazing how our team rallies. And again, many companies are are too busy to take this seriously, but man, I mean, I've, I've just seen it be so fruitful. And if, and if you're doing this, I mean, great job. It, it, it takes time and effort. I mean, the, these things are are difficult to track, but ultimately this is how we take our sales to the next level and start and start doing it intentionally and on purpose we need to operate off of these key measurements so we are coming to the end of this series and i know that every episode has been a, a lot of content it's, it's been solo content for me it hasn't been an interview like like our normal podcast episodes are i've just felt a burden that that now more than ever we have to get really serious about the way that we approach sales and i just i wanted to specifically just go really deep on the philosophy that that i've used myself when i was managing retail stores for fireside home solutions and what i coach to now as i work with clients and as we've developed wi fi to help with a lot of these things specifically i've just i felt the burden to have this season focus on all of this so i hope it's been good for you now As a reminder, we have two weeks left in this series before we move back to our regular cadence of interview-style episodes. Now, next week, we're gonna talk about the importance of running a regular sales meeting. And then the week after that, we'll talk about committing to sales practice. Now, one thing that we've been mentioning this season is that to help you take control of your sales team and start to manage them, we have launched something through Wi-Fi that's called our Sales Accelerator. And the Sales Accelerator is a weekly and a monthly cadence to help build the behavior in your team of becoming amazing salespeople and make it easy for you to manage them without the administrative work. So what we're doing for everyone who's a part of the Sales Accelerator program is every Monday, we email your team an approximately 10-minute sales training video so that your team can be inspired and motivated for their upcoming week. Now on Wednesdays, we email your team a reminder to follow up with four customers and we give them a quick tip on how to do it. On Friday, we send your team a link to fill out a weekly report. It's a really simple report that explains what they did that week and how it went. And that report goes straight to you and anybody else on your management team. Now, in addition to that weekly rhythm, once a month, everyone in the Sales Accelerator program is invited to a live sales training call where I'm going to train live for about 60 minutes, and that's going to include question and answer. It's going to include sales practice, and I'm going to give you everything I have to try to help your people get better and move the needle for your company. So it's a rhythm of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every week. We make sure your team's got inspiration, that they've got reminders to follow up, and their weekly report is in place as well. And then every month, we give them that deep dive training. So for you, when it comes to management, all you have to do is make sure your team fills out that weekly report, read it, and watch the progress. So with this sales accelerator, it is only available long-term for people who are existing Wi-Fi or clients. But for anybody who's interested in this, we're offering 30 days totally for free. And again, if, even if you're not a Wi-Fi partner, sign up for 30 days, see if this rhythm helps you and then do your best to keep it up afterwards. But we believe that now is the time to start playing offense with sales and coming out with this sales accelerator is the best way that we know how to help. So if you want to take advantage of that, you can go to wi slash sales. That's W-H-Y-F-I-R-E.com slash sales. Okay, so the homework I'm going to give you before we get into next week is I want you to put together a sales scoreboard based on these metrics. Now, as you do that, you're going to have to figure out how you measure this, but I want you to put together a sales scoreboard. Generally, when I sit down with a company, this takes about four hours or so, so you're going to have to spend some time on it, but I promise you it's worth it when, when you have an engaging scoreboard that your team reviews every single week, something magic happens. So take the time this week to do that. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the season, if you have had questions come up about implementing this as you've been listening, the final episode of this season is going to be a Q&A episode. And you can send your questions into to me by just shooting me an email. My email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's T-I-M at Tim. It's Firetime.com. Well, with that, I hope you guys have an amazing week. I'm really excited to jump in next week and talk about a regular sales meeting. But in the meantime, I hope this resonates with you. Go and do likewise. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Fire Time Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all into burning down